0: 2 Kings chapter 7 verse 3 is my main verse today. And I'm talking under the subtitle Venturing into Unfamiliar Territory. As we've walked together with Bishop Charlo and Pastor Beatrice all these years, if there's one thing I've admired about this couple is they are heart they to try what has not been tried. They are courage to move into uncharted territory. As I said, when they came into the country when we first met, you know, they, it wasn't long that they'd settled in South Africa, you know, and coming all the way from Congo, coming to live here, starting a church, leading with your whole family and everything. For me, it's been a, it's been a wonderful thing just to watch how they've been able to survive, and grow and move on. Yes, how they have. With all the different seasons in their life and the ups and downs of ministry and life, they've just been there surviving. And uh, I watched them because I, I kind of wondered if I could do what they did. <laughs> I wondered those years if I could ever be able to go to another country and survive. Because there's just something about the background of oppression that kind of brings fear in the hearts of yeah. many of us. And over the years, I've had to change that, and I realized that life is about venturing. Life is about going where you've never gone before. You know, first time I traveled overseas, I was so afraid, Bishop. Mama, I was so afraid. You know, traveling all by myself, going so far. And then I remember, where, as I was traveling, I thought, I've seen other people go to America and come back in one piece. <laughs> So now I will come back in one piece. And then I realized as I went through life that really, moving on in life, the main thing that blocks us, and I'm going to talk about it in a short while, is just fear. Many people will not attempt anything because they will not venture. I want to read one verse for you in 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 3. And it reads as follows in the King James Version. There were four leprous men at the entering in of the gate. And they said one to another, Why sit we here until we die? Why sit we here until we die? Now, because I'm in a church of a, of a, of a minister and a bishop who is a, who is a Bible scholar and a theologian, like I'm a theologian too, you know. I I cannot just preach from that verse without giving you the background, the pretext and the context and the whatever. (laughs) I must give you the proper biblical hermeneutic exegesis homiletics. Hey! So I'll do that for you, but I'm not going to stay long on that. What is the background of this verse? This verse is set up In a time in Israel where Israel was a divided nation. It's a time where you and I will read about two prophets whom God used at this very difficult time of Israel. The prophet Elijah and the prophet Elisha. Israel divided into two kingdoms. The northern kingdom called Israel. The southern kingdom called Judah. We are told when we read the Bible history at this time, Judah at this time, things were going well in Judah. There was revival. There was a move of God. People were relating well with God. But it wasn't so really with the Northern Kingdom, Israel. The Northern Kingdom, people were at this time really backslidden, really not doing well. And as a result... Because of their disobedience, certain bad things happened to them. A king by the name of Ben-Hadad brought his Syrian army to attack the northern kingdom of Israel. The capital at this time was Samaria. So just think about it. Here's this backsliding people. It's a really bad time in their history. Now they're going through war. And the army of the Syrians attacked them For so long, the attack lasted for so long that finally things were so bad and then famine came. It was a bad time. You can imagine, you are backslidden, you are being attacked, now there's famine. Things got so hard there was no food around that people started eating donkey's heads. We are told when we read the Bible that a donkey's head would go on sale and be sold for 80 shekels, which is about 300 rands. And people would buy a pint of dove's dung, can you imagine, for five shekels, which is about 18 rents. So things were really bad inside the city. But then now, we are introduced to these four lepers. Remember this. If you were a leper in these days, you were not allowed to live inside the city. As a leper, because you had leprosy, which was considered those days to be a contagious disease, you were thrown outside of the city and quarantined. So these four lepers that we are reading about, they are outside the city. They are not in the city. Now think about it. If things are this bad inside the city, can you imagine how bad things are outside the city? So these lepers, they have a number of problems about them. Number one, they have leprosy. And because it was contagious and it could not be cured, they are probably going to be killed by leprosy. If leprosy doesn't get them, outside the city, this is a place where you have a lot of wild animals. So if leprosy doesn't kill them, the animals will get them. But say the animals don't get them and leprosy doesn't get them, but then outside the city, there's no malls, there's no shops, there's no way where you can work, you can't plow, there's no food, they're going to die from starvation. So these guys are in a situation where whichever way they look, death is surrounding them. Whichever way they look, things are bad. Whichever way they look, there is nothing better they can look forward to. So they have a choice to either succumb to their situation, accept what happens, define themselves by their problems, or they have a choice to do something that has not been done before. These four lepers, I love them. The Bible says they talk among themselves and they say, you know what? We can sit here until we die. We can sit here and allow what society tells us, what it says about us, to come our way. We can sit here and allow ourselves to be paralyzed or we can do something about our condition. And they ask themselves that question. Why sit we here until we die? Can I hear an amen? So, these are four men who are sitting outside the city gates. Obviously, they've heard the rumors about what's going on in Samaria. They are aware it's times of war, it's times of famine, it's times where there's no food. But then they have an incurable disease that is killing them slowly. But in this diseased, condition, where they are there for a long time expecting to die, they decide to venture. You see, life presents problems to all of us. Problems come to all of us. In case you don't know, bad things happen to good people. In case you don't know, bad things come to you uninvited. No matter how righteous you are, how good you are, how nice you are, problems will come your way. No matter how much you pray, how much you love God, how much you read the Bible, problems will come your way. You can either be an umfundisi <laughs> or rupi shop nohal or ikosa, problems will come your way. You can be a young person, an old person, problems come black, white, yellow, pink. Problems come Africa, America, Australia, problems will come your way. The issue is not about the problems. The issue is what will you do when problems come your way. And these lepers say, why sit we here till we die? I love these guys. In other words, they are saying we can allow what is happening to us to immobilize us. We can allow what's happening to us to come our way and cause us to be spectators of life. So I love what it says. First of all, the Bible says they ask themselves a question, why should we sit here until we die? That's number one. In other words, they refused to behave as victims. You know, there are many people who really like to feel sorry for themselves. How many of you know those kinds of people who like to feel sorry for themselves? Can I see your hands? Can I come on now? Can I see what people? Who, how many of you know people who like? Come on, come on, let me see your hands. come no, 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 no. How many of you are sitting next to somebody who likes to feel sorry for themselves? Yeah. You know, my I come from a background in my father's family where, you know, I'm Tonga by birth. Yeah, Shangaan, uh, Shangaan, Changana, pio pio. That means pure, pure, mzambala, pure, pure. Yeah, I feel you right there. But you know, the, the, the challenge in my father's family, broader family, not him in particular, is that they really like to complain. Pure, pure as I am, they love to complain. You know, there are some people when you are with them, it's not a blessing to be with them. Yeah. Anybody knows anybody like that? They're kind of are swinging from one crisis to another crisis. You know, when you see them, you almost feel like, look, maybe I should take another way because I'm not going to be blessed. And you know, I realized that in my family, always complaining. Always complaining. And you know, the problem with being someone who complains is you end up looking at yourself as a victim. And many people like to look at themselves as victims. It's, it's even worse in our country with the background that we come from. And I think when I started traveling around the world, you know, I realized something that, you know what? The world is a challenging place. And no matter where you go in the world, there will be people who are at the top of society and those who are at the bottom of society. And everywhere you go in the world, there are people who seem like life is nice to them and life is not nice to other people. But really, when you really analyze, you find all things being equal, really, that sometimes what makes the difference in life is the way you approach life. You can approach life as a victim, or you can approach life as a victorious person. Can I hear an amen? These lepers, they said, we're not going to let anybody feel sorry for us. We're not even going to wait for other people. Some people are like wheelbarrows. they never move unless somebody else moves them oh. you know you you you're in life you know you have to you have to you have to help them move on in life you help them you know you give them money give them this help them set them up in their business everything and, and helping them and wow 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 and then when you come next week they still want you to move them to the next level how can but it's people who always like to say, "I'm a victim. I'm a this. I'm a this. I'm a this," and they live as passengers in life. There's nothing as sad as being a passenger of life. Years ago, I went to Pulukwane and I was preaching in in, in rather in uh, uh, I was preaching in uh, in venda, and uh, I preached there and I was going to. I flew into Pulukwane because I had to fly back. I had to really come back home quickly because we were going somewhere with my wife. So I flew to Polokwane, drove down to Venda. So they, then on my way back, then they got someone to drive me back. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know, I mean, I, I can drive. I drive quite fast. You know, I know, I know how to make up time. I travel. But they gave me somebody, and I was a passenger. So this guy was driving the car. He, he decided as we left. He was driving at 80 kilometers per hour. You know, when I looked at the watch, I realized that if this brother doesn't drive at minimum 100 kilometers per hour, I'm not gonna be there on time. But what will I do? I'm a passenger. Even if I knew better, the thing is I'm in somebody else's care, I'm a passenger. So he drives for 80 kilometers per hour, for, for 10 kilometers, and then he, he, then he realizes that he needs to fill up his tank. How about whom? So here we are, we go into to Then he fills up the tank, and then we move, on. and I'm looking at the watch. But what will I do? I'm a passenger. Oh. So he drives again for another taste. then he starts, then he realizes that he's hungry. He goes and buys food. How? How? But you see, there are so many of us who live life as passengers. Yeah. You know better, you can do better, you can move forward better, but you are living as a passenger watching other people doing things that you should do, allowing other people to make decisions for you, allowing life to push you around. Yeah, yeah, when we finally got into Pulukwani, you know, sure, we were already late. Oh. And I thought, at least maybe we should try, you know? And then when we got into Pulukwani, those years I didn't know Pulukwani so well, then he didn't know where the airport was. Oh. I'm telling you, I didn't tell you this part in the first service. When we finally got onto the airport, the plane was taxiing out. I was so confused. True story, Basilara, true story. I was so confused. I ran towards the plane. You know, this is a small airport. I ran. Can you imagine? Here's this, here's this pastor in his suit and his back running and the security following. Sir, you can't do that. I was going, oh, 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 oh. Some of you, you see your life flying by because you have decided to be a passenger. But I want you to be like this man and say, enough is enough. Yeah. not going to sit here and die. I'm not going to sit here and allow life to pass me by. I'm not going to sit here and have a victim mentality. I'm going to do something in the name of Jesus. Can I hear an amen? So many people live as victims. But what I love about these guys is that they, they, they didn't behave as victims. Wow. They say, why sit we here until we die? They took charge of their lives. They took initiative in their lives. Listen to this. This is very important. You need to understand something. You see, God waits for us to take initiative. And when we don't take initiative, it becomes a very big challenge in our lives. They said, why sit we here until we die? We'll come back to that later on. Number two, the Bible says, they said... If we say we'll go into the city, the famine is there, and we will die. In other words, the second thing that these guys did is this. They did not pretend that there is no problem. Yeah. You see, faith is not pretending. Faith is saying there's a problem. Mara. God is bigger than the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's a problem. I'm not denying there's a problem. I'm not denying I have leprosy. I'm not denying that it's times of war. I'm not denying that there is famine. I'm not denying that the wolves will get us. I'm not denying that I, I, I'm, I'm outside the city, but God is bigger than the problem. And I love it because when they accept their reality, it pushes them to take initiative. When they say we understand this is where we are, we're not going to deny, we're going to do something. In other words, they got up and they did something. See, faith doesn't say this is not dark, this is not tall, that's not a dog, that's not a cat. That's not what faith does. Faith doesn't say no. When you don't have money and somebody says you don't have money, say, you know, my pocket is full of money by faith. Hey! Faith doesn't say if it's raining outside and you walk outside, somebody said it's raining. You say, which rain? What rain? Why rain? Why rain? That's not faith. That's foolishness. That's presumption. Faith says, yeah, there is rain, but God will stop the rain in the name of Jesus. And these men, they did not act like there is no problem. Can I hear an amen, Bazaline? I love what they said. This man said, if we say we will go into the city, the famine is there, we will die. But in spite of the problem being there, we are going to do something. Tell the neighbor, I'm going to do something. Say it again. I'm going to do something. You see, faith does not pretend there's no problem, but faith takes a step. Yeah. See, when you read the Bible, you'll note that of all the people that Jesus healed, when you read the Bible. All the miracles that Jesus did, I'm going to give you an an, an, an assignment, go and check it. All the miracles that Jesus did, 90% of those miracles were not initiated by Jesus. Go and read it. I am putting it to you to go and read it. (laughs) Go and read it. I was shocked. I was shocked because I never really realized that. Then I realized, are you telling me that when it comes to the miraculous working power of God, it's not a matter of us waiting for God. You know, there's so many people that say, I'm waiting for God. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for God. I'm waiting for God. And God looks over the balconies of heaven and say, I'm waiting for you. Because even the term wait in the Bible, when the Bible says wait on the Lord, it's not like the wait like you're waiting for a pass. It's not a wait of inactivity. It's a wait of a favorable expectation where you are in prayer, talking to God and expecting things to change. The closest waiting I can explain is when a woman is pregnant. She's waiting for the baby. Yeah, but the baby is in the womb. She can feel the baby kicking. So she's just waiting for the labor pains. It's not like she's not even having sex with her husband and expecting to be pregnant. And waiting for the baby. Oh, you don't want to talk about that in church. Did I, did I, did I say something wrong to these holy people in Gospel Rama Church? Are you telling me that the people in that church don't know what I'm talking about? Why is the children's church so full of the children if you are all looking at me like what is it? no bishop, you know what I'm talking about. When you analyze the miracles of Jesus, it was not Jesus going to those people to bring a miracle. It was them. Who came to him? Think about the woman with the issue of blood. The Bible says she came to Jesus. She came in the press behind. Jesus has already passed. Jesus was not going to her at all. Jesus was not focusing at her at all. Jesus was just going where Jesus was going. Mara this woman realized if he doesn't come to me, I will go to him. Oh! oh. Bible says she came in the press behind why because in her heart she said I'm not gonna be a victim even if I have been sick for all these years even if people are telling me it's not gonna work for me even if there's a press and a crowd I'm gonna push my way I see somebody pushing their way and say, This is a woman who doesn't feel sorry for herself. In spite of her condition, she doesn't feel sorry for herself. She pushes her way through the crowd. And when she gets to Jesus, she doesn't wait there and say, how oh, Jesus? so oh, can't you see? Can't you see? She doesn't wait for Jesus to look at her and touch her. She says, if he doesn't touch me, mean I'm, I'm gonna touch him. Hey. And when she touched Jesus, Jesus stopped and said, who touched me? Who touched me? The disciples says, what are you talking about? Jesus says, well, I know some of you made contact out of curiosity, but somebody who touched me by faith in their Oh. Imagine if this woman could have allowed her situation to cause her to have a victim mentality, a passenger mentality. She got healed. And I love that Jesus did. Jesus just let it go. And Jesus said, woman, even after she tells the 12 year long story, you know, I've been married for 28 years, and there's something common between ladies and guys is that women, when we speak, we just do the highlights. Okay, talk to us about it. We just get to the main point. You know, my wife, when she speaks, and I found out many ladies when they speak, usually they like detail. You ladies are very specialists. You are great specialists, you go for the detail. Yeah. So you can imagine her telling Jesus what happened to her for 12 years. Can you imagine how long it took? <laughs> and then at the end of all that story, Jesus looks at her and said, Woman, thy faith. God is waiting for people. I said, God is waiting for people. I'm talking to you. I said, God is waiting for you. You're busy saying you're waiting on God. God says, I'm waiting on you. They took the initiative. What about blind Bartimaeus? Jesus wasn't even coming to him. He's standing by the side of the road. He's blind. He hears a noise. He says, what's going on? They said, it's Jesus. Is he coming to me but ha uh, uh, he's passing? <laughs> <laughs> you see, you see, you see, some of you, you you're waiting too long. You you wait you've been waiting and God is waiting on you to believe, he's waiting on you to pray, he's waiting for you to start that business, he's waiting for you to take that initiative, he's waiting for you to start that church. Can I hear that amen at this house? He's waiting for you. I like blind Bartimaeus. Instead of him feeling bad about it, he says, then he says to the guys, can you take me to him? I like him. Yeah. Then they said, hi. Ah, eh. That's not the way it's written in the Bible, but that's what it means. They said, hi. Ah, eh. <laughs> yeah. They said to him, ah, eh, He's not coming to you. I like this guy. You see, if he was like some of us, he would have stopped there. Yeah. And went and told everybody the way his friends are bad. Oh. That's a victim mentality. Look at your neighbor and say, I hope you don't have a victim mentality. Look at your other neighbor and say, I hope you don't have a victim mentality. Yeah. If Brian Batamayas were like some of us, he would, have, he would have scandalized his friends and told everybody, Who are you? you don't know. Luna, you don't know. I was just standing not far from Jesus. He just passed and uh they wouldn't take me to jesus oh you you haven't yeah but you see i like this guy because listen to me it doesn't matter where people want to place you in life it doesn't matter what opinion they have about you how am i can i hear an amen It doesn't matter how many obstacles people put in your way. It doesn't matter if they ostracize you or they put you out. They can never stop the faith in your heart. Yes. Yes. Never. Yes. Yes. I love what Blind Buttermyer says. It's all right. I may not see my way around. I may not be able to get to Jesus, but in their voice, in their voice, Jesus. friends, they say, shh, quiet, he's not coming to you, he doesn't have an appointment with you, he doesn't even care about you, and blind Bartimaeus is not going to let anybody tell him, he cannot do what he cannot do, I'm telling you, Barcelona, there's something that you can do, no matter what obstacle, no matter who says what, no matter who tells you what, there's something you can do, can I hear the name, you can do. I may not be able to see him. I may not be able to walk there. But I've got a voice and I don't care who tells me not to use it. I'm going to use my voice anyhow. Jesus! 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 Son of David, help! And the Bible says and Jesus stopped. Jesus stopped. Jesus stopped. Jesus stopped. Jesus, stop. I said, Jesus, stop. Jesus, you know, God can hear the cry of somebody who's got faith in their voice. Somebody who says, I'm not going to be a victim. God can hear somebody who says, I'm not going to lie down. In Jesus' name, I'm going to rise. Jesus, stop. Reminds me of that song. I know you sing it here. (laughs) O Jesus, la, la, la. You don't know it will teach you the song. Jesus listens to people who pray. And the Bible says Jesus stopped and said, Who's calling me? And this hypocrisy. Jesus says, bring him to me. And these hypocrites, they say, be of good cheer. He's calling you. Oh, okay. You know, people are strange, eh? They will put all kinds of obstacles in front of your face. They will criticize you and malign you. When things start working, they'll say, no, no, no. We have been praying for you all You know, we've always been. Anybody knows what I'm talking about. You know, people are very strange in this world. And so you learn in life not to allow people to stop you in your initiative. Don't allow people you cannot tell you to, you can't do certain things. Don't allow them to tell you you cannot finish your school. You can't go to university. You can't have a good family. You can't have a good church. Don't let them tell you you can't have your business. Don't let them tell you that you know you're not going to sit there until you die. You're going to rise up and do something in the name of Jesus. Cut a long story short. They bring him to Jesus. Let's go further. Let's not stop there. In my chest, they say, go deeper. They heard it from somewhere. I don't know if that's another. Go deeper. Don't just flow, Just go deeper. Let's go deeper. They bring him to Jesus. Watch this. People who were blind those days, you could tell from their attire like people today. You could tell from what they had on their blind. They bring this guy to Jesus and stand him right in front of Jesus. And Jesus is looking at him. And Jesus can see that the brother is blind. But still, Jesus asks a question: How about whom? How Jesus? Jesus still asks a question because you see God is waiting for you. God is waiting for your initiative. God is waiting for you to refuse to be a victim. When you move, God moves. Yeah. That's a nice choir song. I said he must do that choir song for me. When you move, God moves. So put the verses. When you move, God moves. When you move, God moves. They and when you move, God move! Yeah. When you move. <laughs> hey. I need all the royalties from that song. <laughs> man is standing in front of Jesus. Jesus knows the man is blind, but he still asks a question. <laughs> what do you want me to do? Wow! God is waiting for you. Just say, I'm not going to sit here till I die. I'm not going to take on a victim mentality. I'm not going to watch life pass by. I'm not going to be a passenger in life. I'm not going to feel sorry for myself. I'm not going to let even the obstacles that people create in front of me to stop me. I'm going to rise up. And I'm going to venture into new territory. Tell your neighbor, rise up. up. Tell your neighbor, "Venture venture into new territory. Number three, the Bible says, in 2 Kings 7, verse 4, it says, so let's go over to the camp of the Arameans, the Syrians, and surrender. If they spare us, we will leave. If they kill us, we shall die. In other words, number three, when they were convinced that what they were doing was right, they decided to take a step of faith. Yeah. See, Basalana. at a point, you have to put your plans to action. At a point. Yeah. I, that's why I appreciate your leaders so much. They have prayed about what God has told them. They have done what God has told them. But at a certain point, you must get out of the conference room and do something. Yeah. And I speak as a South African because, you know, sometimes when we watch people in many levels of leadership, our people really love conferences. Yeah. <laughs> and somehow people assume that when they come from a conference, it means the job is done. You know whether they produce? The white paper, the yellow paper, the blue paper, whatever color. And then after the yellow paper and the white paper, they have the conference of the conference to discuss what they conferenced at another conference because of the conference. And then three years later, we're still conferencing around the conference and debriefing the conference and analyzing the conference of the other conference and nothing gets done. Listen to me. At the end of all your plans and your praying, at the end of your faith and everything, you've got to take a step. And you know what I found out? You know what I found out? When you take that step, it is not always where God has told you everything. At least if you are certain God has spoken to you, if you are certain it comes from God, God's not going to give you everything you need for your adventure. He's not going to give you all the money you need for the project. He's not going to give you all the connections that you need for the project. God's going to tell you, just do it. Just do it. Just Just be like Nike, just do it. If you know God has told you, just jump in and do it. I'm not saying do anything foolish. I'm saying if you know God is in it. If you know the voice of God spoke to you, just like Peter in the boat, instead of being in the boat filled with fear, when God says, get out of the boat, get out of the boat, just do it. Ask if the water is dense enough to uphold your weight. Don't ask if the water is going to be able to uphold you. God says, get out of the boat. Get out of the boat in the name of Jesus and do it. When I've looked at all the things we've done at our church, like in your church here, we've had to take a step of faith. And I want to tell you, Gospel Rama, sometimes the things that God tells us to do take a long time. They take a long time. They go through turns and twists and off-ramps and problems and challenges and hurdles. Just like I know you are believing God for this building and it's yours in Jesus' name. Amen. But with all the turns and the twists, thank you, and the tumours and the challenges and the everything, you've got to not allow all of that to, to cause you to give up on what God has told you. Just do it. Amen. Sometimes I found out with certain projects, I go to it with everything and you find there's no fruit. So what do I do? I take a break. I take a pause. Yeah, there's a saying in Sisutu or in we laugh in so In other words, when I go on a retreat, it doesn't mean I am giving up on my project. I'm just gathering up enough strength and enough wind. I'm going to go at it in the name of Jesus. Can I hear an Amen. Yeah. When God has told you, hit that wall and break that wall, it will come down. You go to the wall, you hit it. It doesn't come down. You hit it. It doesn't come down. You hit it thousand times. You hit it and you're tired. Just sit on the side of that wall and say, I'm not going back home. I'm just gathering up enough strength. I'm going to go back on this wall because God told me so. Because God told me so. And you go back to the wall and you hit it and you hit it. And the, and the, and the two thousandth time when you hit it, it falls. Somebody say, look, it fell when you hit it now. No, it didn't fall when I hit it now. It fell when I hit it for the first time. It fell the first time I hit it. It just needed to be hit 2,000 times. Whatever God tells you to do, just do it. I love these lepers. They didn't just sit there. They took a step. They moved into unfamiliar territory. When we step out of the boat, isn't it amazing? The Bible says, when they went in, into the place, the Bible says, God caused a confusion to come among the army. God didn't cause the army to be confused and to flee before they moved. It is only after they've moved, after they've done something. Very often when God tells you to do something, he doesn't give you everything that you need. Yeah. You know God spoken to you. You know God has showed you. You know God said, do it now. Amen. I was telling them in the first service, you know, when God spoke to me about having to, 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 to not pastor a local church anymore, you know, you know, and to hand over the churches. Hey! I didn't get right. I didn't get right. Because, you know, I, I've, I've pastored since I was 22 years old. Was alone. Think about it. It's been a long time. it no. a long time. And now I must, now I must, now I must, now I must. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> and, you know, your, your, your bishop here and your mama here, they were responsible for some of that. Forgive, Lord. They didn't really say it in those words, but they would say God is bringing transition in your life. And I knew what they are talking about because God had spoken to me 10 years before. They said, God's taking you to a different level of ministry, more responsibility. I'm listening on the phone and I'm saying, Jesus. (laughs) But I remember the day I made the decision, all our churches that we've planted, they have pastors in them, and the church in Pinville is, is being pastored by uh, Dr. Ezekiel Matola and, and, and my bishop, my wife. They are both pastoring. I'm a pastorless <laughs> <laughs> bishop, churchless. <laughs> but I'm overseeing all the churches. But you know, let me be honest with you, Bazalan. I've been doing this now five years, I think. Five years, something, three years, five years. On the other side of that decision was the greatest thing ever in my life. I didn't know how that one door was leading to ten other doors. But watch this. You don't see the ten doors before you walk through that one door. I didn't know. I didn't know. When I made that decision, God opened doors all over the world. I moved into ministry in terms of training and planting churches and buying churches. I'm having a time of my life. You know, I feel like I have been born again, again. (laughs) (laughs) Serious? I just feel like I'm 20 years old again. You can see the way I'm acting. Uh, But you know, leading to that decision, the fear, uh, the uncertainty.
1: Yes
0: but I couldn't run away from the fact that God was speaking. And I realized, and that leads me to my fourth point, fear is what prevents so many people from moving into new territory. Bible says in 2 Timothy 1, 7, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. But you know, fear is something that Satan uses to try and intimidate you about the new territory you're trying to get into. So many people will never try anything new. They'll never venture into anything because they want to hold on to the familiar. When you read the Bible, you'll note, we are told by Bible scholars that there are 366 expressions of fear not in the Bible. 366. Imagine, you have one fear not Every day, per day, and an extra one for Lipier. Yeah. Why? Because when you read the Bible, in all of God's word, even when angels appeared to people here on earth, the first thing those angels said to the people is to say, fear not. Yeah. Even when Daniel had his visions, the, the angels said, fear not. John on the island of Patmos, the angel says, fear not. So by going through a process of elimination, if every time God appeared, he said to the people, fear not, then where does fear come from? And I'm talking about the the bad fear that paralyzes people. The bad fear that holds people hostage. The bad fear that causes people not to move. When I was young, you know, I like to watch animals, you know, yeah, and uh, we had a, I, I. there was next, there was this stray cat that used to love to come in a neighborhood, and it used to really get rid of a lot of rats, lots. So one day just happened, I was young, I don't remember how old I was, and I saw this cat playing with this rat, so I said to watch, and I mean, it had caught this rat, and you know, these cats can be savage sometimes, you know, they... (laughs) They really don't have love. Instead of eating this poor thing, it was playing with this rat. Playing with it and playing with it, putting down. The rat will try to run and it will just let it run fast enough and just stretch its paw and pull it back. <laughs> and I'm, I'm watching this. I'm watching. So, so this this rat started shaking. Very bad, I'm telling you. I'm in the fear. This this cat got distracted. I don't know what it was doing. It it was looking this way. And then the rat started moving on and turned the corner. So when the cat came back to attention, it looked around and it couldn't see the rat. And the rat is just around the corner standing there. And I'm trying to say to the rat, run, 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 run. You know that the cat is not there anymore. That looks like some of you. I can see you. How many of you are sitting next to you? a neighbor who's always you know fear will create a virtual world for you. That you will live inside of it and defeat yourself, even if it's not so. Fear will cause you to shut down. Even before you go for an interview. Yeah. You will fail a test before you write it. Oh. Oh, yes. You will not get a business deal even before you negotiate. Yeah. Yeah. Creates a virtual world. How many of you are sitting next to somebody who's like, forgive. <laughs> 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 Have you ever had somebody Maybe your senior at work, your boss, or somebody senior say, look, I, I, I want to speak to you. There's a serious thing I want to talk to you about. In two weeks' time. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can see already. <laughs> <laughs> How many of you have ever heard? Uh, here's a question. Why, why do you start being afraid? What, 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 is, what, what are they going to... What? It's all fair. Already in our minds, we are so tuned to being negative. Yeah. Particularly when they say there's a very serious thing. In two weeks time. In two weeks time, yeah. <laughs> every time you see them, even if when you're having fun, every time you see them, uh, you, you lose all the fun because you're thinking, oh, I want And then two weeks later, you meet them and they say, look, we have a, we have a new investor who wants to invest in our company. And, I, and there's a new division that's coming, and I thought I wanted you to become the managing director. And you go, oh. <laughs> <laughs> You know, the Bible says in the book of John, fear has torment. Yeah. <laughs> These lepers, they didn't allow fear to torment them. So many people allow fear to torment them. You will not try anything because you are rehearsing how you're going to fail. You're already thinking about failing. You're not thinking about making it. And yet you'll realize people who have achieved anything in this life, they understand where failure is and what it is they have placed it. Failure is part and parcel of succeeding, Period. Yeah. yeah. Anybody who has ever done anything in this life, they failed at a certain point. Yeah. So what? I call nam so what? I'm not the first one to fail, so what? You know, I always tell you, I don't know if I told you the story of my son. I love him. My firstborn son. When he started walking, he walked at eight months, this guy. You know, boys don't walk that early. He started walking when he was eight months. So he's, he's walking. His name is Inkateko. He's walking. Here yeah, yeah. he And then he falls. Then I'm looking at him. And then he smiles. He he has fallen, he's smiling. He smiles. So he he holds on and he gets up. He gets up and he walks again and he falls and he smiles. And I'm looking at this guy and all I see, you know, when you're a pastor, you see a someone everywhere. (laughs) I'm watching him. and I'm thinking, this boy... Understand something that many people don't understand. That part and parcel of learning how to walk is to fall. And when you have fallen, it doesn't mean you have failed. When you fall, you put your smile, get up, and try again. That's a message. That's a message. These lepers, they say, why sit we here until we die? So number four, they they refused to be immobilized by fear. And in conclusion, they persevered. They saw their decision through. They persevered. You'll find out, people, that any new project in your life any new addition of anything in your life is going to take a fight. I didn't know that when I was a young pastor. I didn't know. I didn't know. There's never been any new project in our church that we undertook that didn't take longer than what we had initially anticipated. That wasn't more expensive than we initially budgeted. That didn't take much more harder work than we initially thought we were going to have to put in. And then I realized every new edition in my life needs to fight. That's why the Bible says, fight the good fight of faith. Paul says to Timothy, as a good soldier, endure hardness. Yeah. It's going to take a fight for you to move to the next level. It's going to take a fight for you to move to a higher level. It's going to take a fight for you to operate at a higher level. I watch your bishop here and my my, my, my bishop, I watch them how they, you know, talk to you about how you must do things here and so on. I mean, this church has got lovely excellence, nice things. You know, and I love everything here. But I know as a leader, I know the story behind the story. Yeah, I know the checking sessions yeah. where they cheek a certain people. Yeah. Where you have to scold people. You must, people must come on time. People must, I was watching him when he was talking to Pastor Henry now. He said, you are not in the first service. He said, no, no, Bishop, I woke up late. <laughs> That's the story behind the story. <laughs> but you can't have this kind of church if, you're, if, you're, if your standards are low. Yeah. Yes. You're going to set the bar high, but setting the bar high means you must fight for his excellence. You must require and demand of people to adopt standards of excellence. If you're going to have excellence around here, it means if you're going to have a church like this, some people must be here very early in the morning. They can't come five to time and expect to have a place like this. There's no way. These musicians cannot come here when, when the church has started and then they sneak in and they, they can't. No, 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 no. They must be here early. They must warm up their vocal cords first. Oh, yes. you got it. Yeah. You can never have a clean church like this if people are not here. So I tell people, you want high standards? You want high standards? You want high standards? Ah. You understand that? It means there are people who will be the first to arrive and the last to leave and they don't complain and we don't feel sorry for them either. Yeah. 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 I think we must talk like this in our country because there are people who want high standards with minimal work. People want great things, but they don't want to pay the price for it. You've got to pay the price of time, the price of commitment, the price of excellence. You've got to pay the price of perseverance and endurance. You pay the price. Why? Because you understand any new addition in your life is going to take perseverance. Sometimes it takes long to see the fruit of what you want to see. But remember, there's a saying in my language. And it's derived from the the, the life we have, you know, in villages and so on where we had uh, hens and cocks that would crow in the morning. And and, and those of you who know, you know, the hens and the cocks crow in the morning. But when it's cloudy like this, they get it wrong. (laughs) (laughs) So when it's cloudy, they don't say anything, (laughs) even if the, the sun has risen. So we have, we have that saying, (laughs) in Shitonga. I heard this from Masingita Masunga. This is what it says, which means, even if the cock doesn't crow, the sun will rise, yeah, sun will rise. What that simply means is, even if things are not working for you now and you're not seeing, seeing any progress, if you keep on doing what you're doing, the sun will rise for you. Can I hear an amen? Some of you, you want great levels of things and great achievement and, and great whatever, but you are not willing to pay the price for it. You're not willing. You're not willing. You don't want to pray long. You don't want to read the Bible long. You don't want to wake up early. You don't want to bend the midnight all. You don't want to study. You don't want to discipline yourself in terms of relationships. You don't want to be selective in who you relate with, the books you read, the things you listen to, the places that you visit. You don't want to be disciplined in the words you speak. You don't want to be disciplined in what you read. You don't want to be disciplined in your thought life. You don't want to be disciplined in your lifestyle. You don't, but you want great things. It's not going to happen. It's all gonna happen. At a point, my brother, my sister, you have to decide, I'm gonna see my vision through. I love what these four lepers did. They said, we're going in there. If we die, we die. Maroksalayo, we're going in there. Yeah, even if we don't get there, we're going in there. but we are going in there. Oral Roberts was once asked a question by somebody who was very, very mischievous. You know that mischievous people? Yeah. Say, yeah, you are a man of faith. I always pray for people, praying for people. What if you pray for one of them and lay hands on them and while you're praying for them, they drop dead. What I gotta do? He says, I'll just say, next please. <laughs> because that somebody died when I laid hands on them, it doesn't change the reality that faith works. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen? Some of you have given up because you failed. But the Bible says a righteous man, even if he falls seven times, he will rise again. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen in the house? Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen in the house? You'll rise again. Even if you fail to get it the first time, on the second time, on the third time, but there's still the fourth time, the fifth time, the sixth time, the seventh time, the eighth time, the tenth time. If I wasn't, if I was you, I would never stop until I win in Jesus' Last comment, and I'm going to pray. I learned from watching people at, when they graduated university, it's such a beautiful thing, you young people when you are big robed. Oh, nice. So when so this degree, cum laude, you know, I like when they say cum laude. <laughs> and you see them walking, particularly if the ladies are going there, hmm? oh. it, it, It's so nice, you know, I just love achievement. And you know, I remember something. Sometimes you have people our age who are coming. You know, they are all being roped together with the 20-year-olds.
1: Yes.
0: And you find that this guy, it has taken them 15 years to get this degree. Yeah. Yes. And the 20-year-old got it in four years. Yes. But the interesting thing is when they call this guy my age to come and graduate, oh, yes. they don't say, ladies and gentlemen, we'll call on the stage Musa Sono. Just before he comes, we just want to let you know it has taken him 15 years. <laughs> Ah, it's taking them 15 years, he was struggling, this man, because he's too old now, even when he reads, he forgets. No, they never say that. They never say that. They never say that. All they say is that this person has graduated just like the 20-year-old. Ah, you're not hearing what I'm saying. You're not hearing what I'm saying. Some of you, you get discouraged too quickly. You give up too soon. You give up too quickly, let me tell you, when your victory has come, it doesn't matter how long it has taken you. (laughs) (laughs) Oksalayo is that you got it. And it is always that first victory that is very difficult and very challenging. Because all the forces of darkness come against you and they try to stop what God wants to do in your family, in your life. If Satan can push you to not achieve that first thing, he will discourage you for the rest of your life. And tell the devil, it doesn't matter if it takes five years, six years, I am here, I'm going nowhere, Satan. And I'll get back to it again. I'm going to stay here until I win. I'm going to stay here until my victory comes. I'm going to stay here until I go to the other side. Do I have people who say, I'm going to stay here? (laughs) And God understands that you will fall. That's why he says a righteous man falls seven times. But, 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 but the Lord will raise him up again. I see you being raised again in the name of Jesus. I see you going wherever you've never gone before, Jesus. And God wants you to go to another level in your life, and certainly you will move into new territories. Raise your hands and begin to pray and worship the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Pray in the
1: Spirit, Jesus.